Honorable members, honorable members, order. Switch on the microphone. Switch on the microphone. We are rising on a point of order. On a point of order. The microphones must be on. Welcome to Politics Unmuted, where our microphones are never muted and we turn up the volume on all things political. I'm Conita Hunter, the politics editor of News24. I'm Lise Gatando, the political reporter at News24. I'm Peter Detoy, the assistant editor for In-Depth News. Coming up in today's show, we'll start off with a discussion on COVID-19 and where we are. We see the resurgence of infections and hotspots emanating in different parts of the country. We want to obviously not talk about the ANC in this podcast, but we have to. Yeah. <laughs> the ANC's National Executive Committee um, is meeting this weekend, and it's going to be a very important one um, in terms of the fate of its Secretary General, Ace Mahashule. And then the Zondo Commission was extremely robust this week, and we have to talk about it. Peter, are you scared about the resurgence of COVID-19 now going to the festive? I am, Conita. I think everyone is looking forward to a break. It's been a difficult year for personally for everyone. I think it's been it's been a year in which our freedoms have been curtailed because of a pandemic. You know, we've. Uh, uh, we've been under pressure in, 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 in our work lives, our personal lives, and I think everyone is looking forward to a, to a December that we can take down a notch. But now we're seeing the resurgence in the Eastern Cape. Uh, we're seeing what's happening in the Western Cape. The Western Cape, obviously a destination for many holiday goers from up north, from up country. And, and, and what we're seeing in the Eastern Cape, I think, is definitely concerning. It's a province that uh, is very close to being broken as far as governance is being concerned. We're seeing the health system being under extreme pressure. And we will see millions of people flocking towards to, to the Eastern Cape when they go back home to their villages and towns where they, where they come from, where, as is tradition in December. And we're going to see lots of people going to the Western Cape. So I am concerned. I'm concerned about government's ability to try and curtail this thing because, as you report, um, we might see localized lockdowns or localized restrictions. Government has spoken about a differentiated approach uh, in the beginning of the year. They weren't able to do that. And I don't believe that they have the ability to, to do that now. So I'm very concerned, yeah, you know, for the country and, and, and for myself personally. Your team has been doing some clever things around, um, you know, uh, just looking at the data and looking at trends. Yes. What, what are you seeing? Conita, it's very concerning that we are struggling to get reliable data from government. I think, you know, if we if we come to the end of the year and when we look back at the end of the year, you know, there are definite, uh, there were definite bright spots in the beginning from government as far as managing this pandemic and being as transparent as possible is concerned. But that changed. And we are now at a point where we are struggling to get reliable figures from the Department of Health. We are struggling to get reliable figures from the Gauteng Department of Health. But which the Gauteng Health Department is a mess. Which, which, which means we don't, yeah. we, we can't accurately say what's going on. Yeah. You know, at News24, our, our, our mission from the, be the beginning of the pandemic was to report as accurately as possible uh, as we can on the data. So we're not getting the data. So, you know, is Gauteng worse than the Eastern Cape? Is it worse than the Western Cape? Mm. We simply don't know. Um, you know, the, 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 the erratic nature of the national reporting as well that we've seen emerge over the last three to four weeks is a problem too. So where five, three, four, five months ago we could accurately report on, on events, 
predict and, and use predict that and, and, and enlighten our readers about their personal lives, what they should and should not do, it's very difficult. So I am concerned. Transparency is an issue. And I hope that the Minister of Health uh, and the new coronavirus, rather the new Ministerial Advisory Committee, which we have not seen, incidentally, mm-hmm. steps up to the plate and talks to South Africans because pretty soon everyone's going to disperse all over the country. Um, you know, we might be one big, Christmas might be one big super spreader event. Liz, you are one of those people that are trekking back to the Eastern Cape, aren't you? Yeah, it, it breaks my heart when I hear Peter talk about my home province and the decaying uh, health system, and which is which is accurate. And the realities of the Eastern Cape, I mean, you remember you sent us to the Eastern Cape just as it was surging um, a, a couple of months ago. And it was clear that it wasn't going to go away, that the Eastern Cape is not properly equipped to deal with the... But they had t- time from then till now they did they had time but the issue is that it's inherent uh decay of the health system it's always been one of the departments that has really been forgotten uh, by the the provincial leadership and it it shows now how critical the health sector is in the eastern cape and how much it has been left to ruin and unfortunately we also have a, a province which is facing a drought we have a province which has is impoverished and majority of the people they live in villages are not dependent well in, on grants yes dependent on grants not well informed so it pains me i mean i have been debating whether i should send my child back home during this time it's 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 really going to be quite a, a nightmare to to hear about because you hear about how many people are dying every day mm. and and those people are very close to you and i i don't see anything changing anytime soon i think people are you know suddenly and i'm seeing it in my own circles and own environment people are suddenly reconsidering their their, their december plans you mm. know um should we all not rather stay at home should we not you know almost go into self-quarantine and I, and I hate to be this person because from the very start of the pandemic, um, you know, I, I sort of approached my analysis to be it's about saving lives and not the economy because there's no economy without humans. Mm. But when you hear the horror stories and when you hear cabinet ministers who can often just, you know, sell you ice cream in winter and spin things, when they can't spin what the outlook looks like and what the economy actually looks like, and when they are saying... There is no way we can shut down, for example, bars wholesale Mm. as much as we need to Mm. because there is nothing left. There's no room to maneuver. And when I hear that, there's like a shiver shiver that goes down my back to think that, I mean, this is not even about people getting December bonuses. This is about people just having food to Mm. eat in December. This is not even the celebration. This is not even about a Christmas. And you hear... Um, the tourism minister who's just in earnest waiting for people to and you know almost trying to beg people not to cancel their holidays but at the same time you hear the health minister who's saying this is a you know this is this is this is a crisis that we it's a catch-22 and it's and it's really really heartbreaking Mm. i do think government took its foot off the pedal once we went to lockdown level two and one there was a national exhalation obviously Mm. you know everyone collectively exhaled and said goodness gracious now we can just breathe again but what happened was i think we went back to our normal ways of living how do you police bad behavior you you know what what government you know it's it's easy in hindsight but but was government efficient enough in its communication its grand communication strategy strategy in that period to emphasize and to to 
to press upon people's bleeding hearts that look we aren't out of the woods yet we but saw didn't, wasn't that what Cyril Ramaphosa did when he spoke to the nation the last time well it wasn't effective was it I mean I don't think the fact that the the, the Minister of Health replaced a ministerial advisory committee which which often was at odds with him, mm. replaced it with a new uh, advisory committee, which was supposed to focus on behavioral change. Mm. We haven't seen advisories mm. come out from the MAC in, in, in weeks, months. Mm. You know, we haven't seen the minister communicate and say, look, South Africans, we understand that we are now lockdown two and one. We're trying to normalize as far as we can, but it is still dangerous. And this is what the effect could be. So, you know, we, we're probably going to write uh, books about about this year in future. But where we are now, there's deep concern, I think, amongst all South Africans. And I do think that if you can limit your movement, you know, and I'm, it, it might be rich coming from me because I'm still uncertain what I'm going to do. But, you know, I'm, it's things are uncertain, A, eh? and there are deep concerns. The, the other considerations, you know, besides what affects us middle class people, perhaps, is, is you know, there's, there's considerations around funerals, for example. Mm. There's considerations around the initiation season. And I was quite surprised uh, in the story that we wrote this morning, uh, which is Wednesday as we're recording this, is that government is saying that initiation season can be reopened except in Nelson Mandela Bay because that's a, that's a hot spot. Because what you're going to see is the mushrooming of illegal initiation schools. And so you have to then, you rather regulate it than allow for for illegal uh, schools to mushroom and it's really that if that's a catch-22 you know if, if there's any catch-22 that's a catch-22 because already we have so many deaths coming from this uh, traditional practice you already have an overburdened health system generally and now you have something that how do you really regulate how do you put health officials when when the existing regulations about just saving these boys' lives are not always effective. And I, th- and I thought, you know, it's really, I really sh- wouldn't want to be in that dis- decision-making uh, uh, mm. meeting because mm. it, it really is a difficult one. I, I, I'm, I'm quite shocked that you're surprised. I think that our government, when it came to uh, a number of stakeholders and a number of sectors, they've cowered to whichever stakeholder has those demands. Contra Lisa was refusing to listen to government as it has been for a number of years when it comes to initiation schools and traditional leaders as well. And I think it's, it's, it's a, a matter of playing politics at this point because I don't see how the mushrooming of these schools it's like it's nothing new these schools have been mushrooming mm-hmm. it's not like this is something new but i think when you add laws in 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 that you kind of you know that the laws become sort of like a, a deterrent of some sort mm-hmm. i do think that like the taxi associations like the churches they even though that they're mindful that you know there is there's risk there but they're also mindful of the impact that those particular stakeholders like churches and, and taxis and uh, and traditional leaders, the kind of power that they wield. I I am very skeptical and, and I'm very critical of government in how it cowered the demands of Contralisa. And so now what? What do you do? You have regionalized, localized um, uh, restrictions. So Nelson Mandela Bay, for example, can't buy alcohol Friday to Sunday. Uh, the garden Which it will. Well. Let's, let's be honest. 
It will. I, I, I don't see anything changing in, in these areas. In the Eastern Cape, if you remember, during Level 4 or uh, Level 5 lockdown, there was a huge issue in the Eastern Cape of you know, people not abiding by the lockdown. Um, we, see, we saw school kids drinking during the lockdown. There were bars which were open during the lockdown. I really don't think that... Yes, we need these um, these restrictions, but I don't think that these restrictions will in any way help... That that government uh, of Eastern Cape or Oscar Mabuyane curb the, the the realities that he's going to face in the next couple of months. So what then, Peter? I don't know. It's very bleak, <laughs> isn't it? The, the, the one thing that I think we we don't have and what we need is is clarity of facts. You know, we need to know what is happening on the ground. How many hospitals are there in the Eastern Cape and Nelson, Nelson Mandela by region? What is the capacity of these hospitals? What and is we're the, hearing this week that they're all full, including yes, private hospitals. That's what we're hearing. But government needs to communicate and say, this yes. is the status of the yes. Eastern Cape. There are so many hospital beds. There are so many COVID wards. These are how many beds are filled with COVID-19 patients. This is what we're expecting. You know, use the modeling, use the scientists, use the epidemiologists, mm-hmm. you know, look at best practice elsewhere you know to see if we can if we can nip nip this uh, this thing in the bud which clearly is not happening at the moment so it's it's a bleak outlook certainly Um, and once January February March rolls along when we're in the new fiscal year the new uh, academic year the new business year what's going to happen then we can't afford a second year like 2020 Mm -hmm. we have to save what we can of 2021 2022 2023 because economists uh, are telling us that it's going to take years to recover from COVID-19. Only that's, 2020. That's yeah. not even talking about the hole which we dug for ourselves yeah. uh, ahead of the pandemic, yeah. you know. And now, you know, add into that recapitalizing SAA and the wage negotiations that you you know uh, quite well. You know, so there's a there's a lot of stuff happening in which which can have a dire and a serious effect on all of our lives mm. going forward. You know, December's a write-off. This year's a write-off. Let's accept it. Let's save what we can to make sure that when students go back to school next year, when businesses, small businesses are supposed to start reopening in January, that they can, so that mm-hmm. we can save lives and livelihoods. It sounds like March, but, you know, lives and livelihoods. <laughs> but, but I mean, the governing party should be um, uh, uh, focusing on this very serious <laughs> issue and coming up with viable solutions. Uh, we know it will not. You would think that the, the <laughs> NEC would be focused on, on this issue. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, that's not the case in the upcoming meeting this weekend. Liz, um, we know the National Executive Committee of the ANC is meeting and it is going to focus on something very inward looking and that is again the debate around its step aside Mm. policy how tired uh, are you of this drama i'm exhausted i'm (laughs) exhausted by this entire year but yeah that's uh, accurate in saying that uh there will be reviewing uh the reports that they commissioned from three different uh uh, advocates senior advocates in the country we have in relation to understanding what what are the parameters of the party instructing those who are accused with corruption or, or, or charged with any crime to step to aside? step aside? That's correct. There's also a, a, a talk about you know how to, I mean, and and this has been talked since I think the Mangawong years about giving teeth to the integrity oh, commission. Man, we've been there. We've been there. <laughs> I was yes. at Bulukwane, man. I mean, it's. Yeah, coming along. Well. Yeah, I I don't predict that it's going to give us anything new. I think there's going to be a back and forth, and you know, there's 
finger pointing. The ANC at this point is out of touch with with the country's realities, and that that is a fact when you look at how it's been inward looking for quite some time. Not to say that there isn't an issue with corruption. Corruption is one of the major drivers of why our economy is at the state that it is in. And one would think that given that we have this pandemic and how what it's how it's ravaging our already non-existent economy that it would be straight up and down and what what is to be done with these political leaders who are uh, found to be corrupt or uh, facing corruption charges. So it remains to be seen what the NEC will uh, will uh, decide on. And let's not forget that most of that NEC has smaller Nanyana skeletons. So if it affects ACE, it affects pretty much most of them. So it's going to be an interesting NEC. I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm so bleak today. I'm very dark today. <laughs> we'll try to we'll try to uh, uh, excite things when we when we get to the conversation around the Zondo Commission. But but Peter, it should be clear. Ace Mahashule is charged twenty one charges. Is it corruption, money laundering? Um, he's going to go on trial. He's appearing in court in February. Step aside as the Secretary General of the ANC while mm. you're while your process uh, or your, your court mm. proceedings are, are, are going on because that's your own resolution as the ANC, right? It mm. should be that simple. Uh, it, it should be simple, but 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 politics uh, as a rule is, is not simple. And, you know, just going back one step, uh, when, when you introduced the, 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 the subject, you said, you know, they should be focused on COVID-19. They're not going to be like you said. And, and I think that on a, on a simplistic level, that's a, that's a frustration for all South Africans, that that should be the main focus confronting this country. There should be a national effort to try and preserve people's health and try and save the economy, but it is not. So, on a, on, a, on a more complicated level, you know, uh, governance, leadership, contestation for power, factional divisions, ideology, policy, all that comes into play at an NEC meeting, like you well know. You know, this, this conflict is born out of a conflict between uh, broadly two different strands of belief systems in the ANC, and that's coming to a head. Or different self-interest groups. But, yeah. but different, different yeah. groupings, yeah. different yeah. strands, threads. Yeah thrusts, you know, <laughs> yeah. tracks, and it's coming to a head. You know, uh, someone during the course of last week wrote that the ANC has become a party of inaction and they need, to, you know, it's it's all good and well to hear people in the ANC say there needs to be some action now. But if nothing ever happens, you know, many South Africans don't believe what the ANC tells them and don't believe what 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 people in the party who are against corruption say when they say they they're going to tackle the big issue of Ace Mahashule now. So, Konita, I'd be very surprised if you guys go to a press conference on Monday where they explain Ace Mahashule's decision to voluntarily step aside. <laughs> you know, uh, I'd eat my hat if that happens. Okay, um, let's see. <laughs> um, but it, it is supposed to be like you say, as simple as that. But it's not. It's about vested interests. It's about access to power. It's, it's about positioning yourself ahead of 2022. We, we've got the National General Council next year, which is going to uh, give us an indication what might happen later on. So it's all about rallying your forces. It's about the different sides sticking to their guns. You know, Ace Mahashule has been very resolute since 1994. Uh, when did he become chairperson in the Free State? 1996, if I'm not mistaken, I might be wrong. Um, but he's been very strong and resolute in, in, in all his dealings since. So I don't have much hope for a, a, a Ace Mahashule doing the, the, the right thing. 
as per the ANC's own resolutions. So where we are at the moment is that the ANC, uh, NWC commissioned a report, uh, the Tina Malindi report, which basically says voluntary uh, sort of suspension, right? Temporary suspension. But obviously it doesn't really explain what does that mean in terms of the nuts and bolts of it because it works for Ace Mahashule, who can be suspended from the party, but it doesn't work for Bongani Bongo, who is in Parliament earning a salary from Parliament, and there's no such thing as a temporary suspension in Parliament. You have to leave your job, Mm -hmm. not earn. Someone needs to replace you. Very good point. Um, So what I want to ask you, Conita, do you think that the ANC, I mean, there's an ethics committee in Parliament which is supposed to regulate this. You know, have they been beyond reproach when uh, MPs, chairpersons have been implicated in instances of corruption, you know, taking it to the ethics committee? You know, we all know the ethics committee is also made up proportionally of the different parties, but surely there are ways and means of doing that. But but remember, say take Dina Pulia, for example, Mm. the former Minister of Communication. Mm. There was still the moral high ground in Lutuli House for Gwede Mantashi to call Dina after she had found uh, to be wanting by the ethics committee to say, go, mm. you know, it's you can't be back on the list mm. no matter how popular you are. Mm. And and so you have that moral high ground. Mm. Literally, House doesn't have that moral high ground. Mm. It's, a, it's, it's, it's finger pointing everywhere. It's, it's Mahashuli saying, but I, I'm not, I don't serve in government, so what must I step aside mm. from? I, him effectively saying, if the ANC wants a person who's corrupt to, to lead me, then you know why are you guys wanting this is mm. our problem mm. and 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 again we have to listen be when they talk you know i think Cyril Ramaphosa, the president, and his deputy David Mapuza have both said it on record that the, this NEC, the ANC, must be given space. This NEC will decide. Once the ANC, de- the NEC decides, even if it's in action <laughs> against Mahashule, we need to take it as it is that this is the ANC of Cyril Ramaphosa who's failing to take action against co- people who are severely impl- implicated in corruption. I think that thing of empathizing with the deadlock that factionalism brings, I think what it does, it gives the ANC the benefit of the doubt somewhat. Yeah. Because this decision was taken in August, the 31st of August, you remember that. I don't want to, you know, sound like a broken record, but but you're right about the deadlock. But some someone somewhere needs to break it, and yes. something is going to break. Yes. You know, yes. there is no way you're going to clear up the situation or, or reach a point where everyone is going to be happy. You're going to have to understand that if you want your values to triumph or succeed, or if you want to create an organisation which believes in uh, value set A, B, or C. You know, and there are individuals in the party that does not conform to that. You know, you're going to have to make a decision somewhere. I mean, this inaction, you know, the party's going to muddle on through through the next f- five years, the next decade, perhaps. But it's just going to weaken and weaken and weaken. And, I, and, you know, it's it's you know, when you speak to ANC people, it's sometimes so frustrating when they when they cling to this idea of a unified party, which it is has not been for many years. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you want to break the deadlock, do it with conviction. But there's a clear lack of conviction. Mm-hmm. Amongst, you know, if, if you look at Cyril Ramaphosa, there's a lack of conviction, I would argue, in his inaction in his own party. We do know that, you know, the margin at Nazarek was slim. Mm-hmm. It's, you, you know, we understand all that. But what do you want to do with power? Yeah, you have it now. You have it. So yeah, what, are you gonna, yeah. what are you going to do with the authority, the executive authority, both as head of state and as leader of the party? What are you going to do with that? Yeah. Are you going to, you know timidly and meekly keep mm. carrying on NEC meeting after NEC meeting because guys you know 
are we going to go back on Monday? Are you guys going to a press conference on Monday and, you know, listen <laughs> to a press... When we sit here on Wednesday, you know? we're going to be like, same old, same Exactly. Old. Yeah. But I mean, um, without ending on completely on a bleak uh, note, there was a exciting moment, I think, but maybe exciting is, is, is not the right word to describe what happened on the Zondo Commission on, on, on Monday. Actually, quite bizarre. My job is also not to accept instructions from you, Do you have or do you not have evidence that I, Mr. the public I, protector is involved I, in state capture? Hang capturing? on, hang on, hang on. Let me make it absolutely clear that I am not on trial. It is Advocate Mpofu's client who must come and testify what he did at South, not me. Okay, let's, 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 let's take... point, Chairperson, I'm appealing to you mm-hmm. whether I must answer questions in relation to the public protector and whether that's the scope you intended. <laughs> let, let, let's let's, let's uh, pause. Let's pause. Do you, Pravin Kodan, have any evidence that Mr. Moyane was meeting with the Hawks every day? I'm asking this for the fourth time. Let me, let me then repeat may, for your benefit. What, what is the word you use, Peter? Um, Dead catting. Dead catting. I love that word. <laughs> so, so dead catting is what Boris Johnson does in in the UK. Whenever yeah. he sits at a at a at a at a cabinet meeting and they're slamming him over Brexit and you know he's in a, he's, he's he's failure to enact Brexit and he comes up with something totally left field and the the argument goes that his uh, one of his political advisors always tells him just throw a dead cat on the dinner table and people stop talking mm-hmm. about whatever they were and they're going to talk about their dead cat in the middle of the table. So what and, happened at Zondo Commission on Monday? And I think that's what happened with the Zondo Commission on Monday. I think it's very difficult for Dali and Paul for to, to go to the commission and take Tomoyane as his client and try to whitewash Tomoyane. Uh, Tomoyane is someone that has been found by numerous investigations to have been at the center of the destruction of SARS. And the Nugent report stands. It's not taken on review. Mm. We have the Nugent mm. report that mm. says Tom Moyani was central to this, mm. right? Mm. Mm. And Mpofu's task was to try and attack Gordon, obviously, to try and discredit him. Because to, because Pravin Gordon went to the State Capture Commission and led evidence uh, against Moyani. Exactly. So it was a day filled with drama. You know, obviously it was a clash of egos. You've yes. got this big uh, flamboyant, flashy advocate, you know, enjoying his moment on television as he always does. And then this intransigent, intransigent minister uh, who always also tries, uh, also enjoys yeah. his moment in the spotlight, enjoys projecting himself like he did. Um, but I think we got bogged down in side issues. You know, I think we got bogged down in sideshows. The one thing that people seem to forget is that Gordon and a number of other people connected to Sarge um, have gone under oath, both in court and at the Zondo Commission. And we've never seen anything from Tomoyana. He's never uh, put anything under oath. He's never testified in front of the Nugent Commission. Mm. He hasn't gone to the Zondo Commission. You know, he lets other people do the dirty work for him. So unless we see Tomoyana appear in front of the Zondo Commission, you know, the other testimony will stand. What do you think? I, I agree that it will bogged down by uh, the, the 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 kind of banter or back and forth. No, not even banter, but the back and forth. Because it got serious at yeah, one point, and, right? And, and the tensions between the yeah. two men. But I was um, I was really disappointed by both men in in how they handled themselves in the Zondo Commission. Mm-hmm. So Dali obviously uh, felt that he needed to make uh, Praveen a hostile witness, but. I think that Praveen, uh, uh, the minister as well, 
kind of fueled that that uh, that environment. I was disappointed in how he handled himself, even the way that he was communicating with the with the deputy chief justice. To me, was quite disappointing. Um, I'm not as well versed when it comes to the Nugent report. I do know that Tom Moyane, uh, Moyane is is suspect, and he obviously the 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 condition that he left SARS in, <laughs> as opposed to what he when when he got into SARS. That's that's neither here nor there for me. For me, it was more about the two individuals and how they disrespected that commission. Yeah, because then at some point it's about, you know, godlike complexes and you mm. just a pharmacist and you know it, it it became it became all of that. It became mm. all of these amazing mm. Twitter Twitter uh, uh, you know sound bites. Yeah, and not really going to the heart of the issue. And then you can also have you know the reinventing of of certain facts that are that. Um, that are not true, really. Mm. Um, just based on, on on little tidbits mm. that people hear mm. and see see on Twitter. But I do think that um, the Zonda Commission should not be allowed to to degenerate like that. I think it has a very important role. I think it's mm. racing against time. Mm. Looks like there's going to be an extension. But the DCJ should have taken charge. No, I that's think. what I was you going know? to ask you as we wrap up. Mm. What, what did you, what did you think was Zonda trying to just? appease everyone i think we should first of all i think it's an let, let's give him as much credit as we can because it is an enormous task just to get your head around all the testimony that he's heard mm. up until now to get your head around the the phenomenon of state capture is a gargantuan mm. task um so he, he he was always up against it um, but in this instance as with when jacob zuma appeared in front of the commission last year in mm. july i think it was he, sh- he could have managed proceedings in a much tighter manner um, now the 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 exchange between gordon and and Mpofu was supposed to happen between in, in with with uh, within the scope within a very limited scope the mm. parameters were set down yeah, last year he, he, he yeah, he, it, and he yeah, set it down yeah. But he allowed it to to move beyond that scope. On you both know? sides. On both sides. Yeah. And he should have brought everyone back and said, look, these are the issues at hand. This is what we're supposed to talk about. Let's get back to the issues at hand. And that did not. And once it degenerates, two hours, four hours, six hours, you know, those remarks that you refer to, you know, then, you know, it, it lost shape. We never spoke to the substance of the issues at hand. You know, and this is where we are, where it's a Twitter popularity contest. That's all we have for you today. From all of us at Politics Unmuted, thanks for listening. This episode was recorded by Shante Schatz. The music was courtesy of Getty Images and Epidemic Sound. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe or follow the hashtag Politics Unmuted.